0: about three or four weeks ago on, uh, um, I don't remember what night of the week it was, but I found myself on Mott Street in Chinatown in New York because a friend of mine from high school who had really found his Judaism uh, later in life uh, wanted to, to have a chance, and I wanted to have a chance to visit so we did so over dinner he and his wife and their daughter were visiting colleges up in the northeast because their daughter's getting ready to go to college and needs to make a choice. So I asked my friend, his name when I knew him was Mark, but as he embraced his Judaism, he decided that being named after the Roman god of war was not quite what his faith should have in mind. So he left that to me and he took the name Joseph. And so Joseph, uh, or Mark as I know him, Um, And I had dinner, and I was fascinated because I got to know his wife over dinner. Now, as we prepared for dinner, I said, where would you like to eat? And he said, oh, it doesn't matter to me as long as it's vegetarian and kosher. I said, well, something tells me that's going to narrow it down. We found a vegetarian kosher restaurant in Chinatown that has Chinese food. You look at the menu. This is the actual restaurant. It looks like food you would get at any Chinese restaurant. They had sweet and sour pork. But it's vegetarian. It's fake pork. They had carved their tofu to look like shrimp for the shrimp dinner. Absolutely bizarre. And it tasted like the meat. But it wasn't. As we were sitting there over dinner, I said to my friend uh, Joseph and to his wonderful wife and their amazing daughter, I said, okay, well, tell me, you've had an interesting journey. You've gone, Joseph, from from Lubbock being a nothing religious of sorts to a Jew who's changed his name and is keeping kosher. I'd love to hear about your journey. Then I asked his wife, I said, tell me about your religious journey. Where have you landed in all of this? Because she did not look like she was of Jewish heritage from appearance sake. And I know you can't judge always by that. But sure enough, she was like Irish Catholic and, uh, originally. And from there she turned Buddhist. And from there she turned um, uh, uh, Jewish. And she explained to me, Barbara is her name, Barbara explained to me that she viewed religion as a way to touch God. And that there are lots of religions because there are lots of ways to touch God. So she decided to be consistent with her husband. She would choose the Jewish religion as her way of touching God. She still has a very Buddhist sense of God, in my opinion. But this was what she said to me. And then as the conversation turned, they said to me, Okay, Mark, it's your turn. Tell us where you are in your relationship with God. And I said, Well, uh, uh, I have. Um, uh, uh, it's the center of my life. I said, I, I have a, a firm belief, a, a reasoned belief, I hope, that there is a God who is a real being. And this God, who's a real being, created the world and created humanity and made humanity for a purpose. God made humanity to be in a relationship with God. I said, I think sin came in and destroyed that relationship because God cannot have a relationship with sin. Well, at this point, Barbara, um, her jaw dropped. It's like I had just said something horrible. And she looked at me and she said, Oh, please don't tell me you believe that! And I looked at her and I said, "Um, Yeah, I pretty much do. She said, that's, that's just so wrong. And I said, How do you figure? And she said, God is the universe. God made everything. He made good and He made evil. If it's in the universe, it's God. And I said, Well, I believe God is outside the universe and created the universe but God's not simply in the universe and she said well that's wrong (laughs) and so the conversation continued Um, I can't sit here and tell you at the end she was weeping and saying you're right I confess my sins (laughs) that did not happen But we are engaging in the conversation even as recently as a few weeks ago and a week ago by email. So it's an ongoing conversation. What I wanted to say is would you please come to my class this morning because we're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about what Paul has to say about God as both a transcendent God and an immanent God. Now, those may be words you're not familiar with. They're high dollar theological words. And while we generally try and avoid those words in this class, these are good enough to learn and hang on to if you don't already have them. They center on this question Where is God? Kids play peekaboo. Okay? You remember the age of the children where they think if you can't see them, they can't, or if they can't see you, you can't see them, and they'll hide like this. Where is God? Where is He? If you grew up in Lubbock, Texas, your ready answer might say 45 miles north, God is in plain view. there was a song we sang in youth group growing up. Have you seen Jesus my Lord? He's here in plain view. And you would never <laughs> sing that song quite so loudly as when you were on the road driving north and you drove through plain view, Texas. And our eyes were peeled for Jesus our Lord. <laughs> Where is God is the question. We've got answers. We might say, well, when you see the church, or when you see his people, our God is every. But where is he? Philosophical question Where is he? You've been looking? We're going to talk about two answers today. One answer is God is transcendent. Transcendent. It's a good word. You've got to say it. Transcendent. Transcendent. That's not transcendental. It's transcendent. All right? Transcendent. What transcendent means is that God transcends. He is beyond the world as we know it. There is a phrase that people use called space and time. We talk about the space-time continuum. If you've got scientific background, you might be familiar, or even philosophical background, you might be familiar with talking about space and time. Originally, this came from the concept that there were four dimensions. And I think. Most scientists have decided there's Buku's more than four. But there are the three dimensions of space and then a fourth dimension of time. Since then, it's kind of become an everyday phrase to just refer to the, the universe, the elements, and how they exist within the time frame that our universe runs on. The past, the present, and the future. That is space and time. It's a reference to the world, not just the physical world, but the the non-physical, the spiritual, the intellectual, the emotional. It's a reference to the whole thing. Now, if we were to draw a circle, and in that circle we were to put everything that exists, everything that's physical everything that's spiritual, everything you can see, everything you cannot see. The entire history, past, present, and future of the world, space and time as we know it. All dimensions. Everything. All that exists that we know of in the created universe that reaches outwards further than the Hubble telescope can see. If you were to put all of that in the circle. The question becomes, is God outside? Or if we draw that circle and we put everything in it, is God inside? My friend I'm having dinner with tells me there's no God outside of the universe. The universe is God. When we pray to God, when we connect with God, we're connecting to a force Something within space and time, within our universe, within our elements. Paul talks about God. And when Paul talks about God, he talks about God as a creator. Paul talks about God who created all things. In Paul's mind, God is a creator God. Paul would tell you, That a transcendent God is one that goes beyond space and time. He transcends space and time. So which circle is a transcendent God? That one right there. God is outside of the universe. God transcends. He's beyond space and time. If I'm watching the Texas Tech football game on TiVo, I have an ability to hit a pause button. Go get my chocolate-covered almonds, my cold Pellegrino, tell Becky I love her, come back to the game, and hit the play. And I'm right back in it. Then during commercials, I can zip forward and catch myself up. I have an ability in a TiVo sense to stop time and carry on a world and a life and then come back and return. Does that make sense? That's a very pathetic example of what it means for God to be able to exist outside of time. I'm not saying there's a point where God hits the freeze button... And we're all like this while he goes and gets chocolate-covered almonds. Okay? But I am saying that for us, as a moment of time passes, God exists in eternity. There should never be anybody who has a philosophical issue with how can God know the thoughts of 5 billion or 8 billion people. God exists outside of time. God has all the time in the world and more. Time is an element that we're caught in, but a God who exists outside of this universe is not caught in that element. Does that make any sense to you? This is what Paul says when Paul talks about God as a creator. He says there's an invisible God. Who created all things in heaven and on earth, whether visible and invisible, thrones, dominions, rulers, authorities. God created it all. He says it this way in 1 Timothy. The king of ages. Immortal, invisible. The only God. The creator. Paul says it this way. There's one God, the Father, 1 Corinthians 8, 6, from whom are All things for whom we exist. Now, Paul was a Hebrew scholar. He knew Hebrew better than I do. He knew Hebrew better than probably anybody else in here. Anybody got a pen I can borrow? Thank you. What's the first verse in the Bible? Yeah, in the beginning, God created in Hebrew, it's sheet Barah, Elohim. In the beginning, God, the Hebrew, is bara, Which in English, we would write like that. God created. bara. God created. That Hebrew word created is different than the Hebrew word that's used later when God said, let us make man out of his image and out of the dirt. God-fashioned man. That's why one is translated created and the other is translated made. Creation is a very special thing in the Hebrew mindset that Paul had. Now, if we were to talk to theologians today, theologians might give us three possibilities for how God created the world. If I were to have debated creation with my friend, It would not be what most Southern Baptist evangelical churches think of when you discuss a creation debate. It would not be creation versus evolution. The debate I would have had with Barbara would have been on these three philosophical terms. There we go. Three Latin possibilities. Did God, creatio ex material, did He create out of material? Did he creatio ex Dio? Did he create out of God? Or did he creatio ex nihilo? Nihilo. Did he create out of nothing? Let's understand these. If you create out of material. Creatio ex material. Creatio creation in Latin. Right? Ex means out of. Do you know how you know that? You want to get out of here? Where do you go? X. You X it out of here. Okay? X out of material is material. Okay. Did God just take some clay that was there and create the universe and all that's in it out of material that was already present? Or is creation something that's out of God Himself? He lays an egg, it's His essence. It's just an extension of God. Or did God create the universe out of nothing? For Paul, God created the universe out of nothing. God called into existence the things that do not exist. God's outside of space and time. That's the meaning of the Hebrew word bara. It means to create out of nothing. God created the world out of nothing. And Paul wasn't the first one to come up with that as a concept. King Solomon when he built the temple had this problem. He builds the temple and he understands God doesn't live in the temple. As Solomon said it, will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain you. God is beyond the earth. Does this make sense? So when we talk about God, we say God is transcendent. But while you may have understood God to be transcendent with that arrow, God is also imminent. Another good word. Imminent. Say it with me. Imminent. Imminent means God's in the universe. So if you'd chosen the other circle, you would still be pretty accurate. God is not only outside the universe. God is in the universe. God is present in our midst. But He's present when we walk out the door. He was at the Buddha Budai restaurant on Mott Street where we were eating kosher, vegetarian, Chinese food. God is imminent. God is in the physical world. Now, when you think of imminent, it's not M&M. It's not M&Ms. It's also not imminent, like it's got to happen. It's about to happen. Imminent means God is pervasively present, permeates, is everywhere. So the question is now, how is God everywhere in the universe? Where is God in the universe? Where is he? Um, Is he in rocks? Animism teaches that rocks are part God. Is God in the rocks? Do we find God there? All right, maybe not in the rocks. Some people believe God's in all living creatures. Is God there? Do we have God in all of the living creatures? That would give new meaning to holy cow. (laughs) Where where do we find God? (laughs) Y'all were wondering how that music was going to (laughs) fit. Where is God in the universe? Is He in people? Maybe He's not in rocks. Some people think He's in any living creature. Don't kill anything. Some think He's in, just in people. He's in all the people. Well, let me suggest from Paul's perspective, three ways that God's present in the universe. Number one, in his authority. He's the king of the ages, Paul says. And a king's authority spreads throughout the globe, throughout the universe, throughout his kingdom. As king, God has authority throughout the world. There is no corner of the universe not subject to the authority of God Almighty, the King of the ages, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, who alone reigns omnipotent. God is the King of all kings. Not just today, but of all ages, past, present, and future. Through His authority, God reigns and is present throughout The universe. Make sense? There's another way that God's present everywhere. Not just God reigning and ruling over all matter in the universe, but in His power. God's power goes everywhere. There is nothing in existence not subject to His power or contained by His power. God's invisible attributes, Paul said, namely His eternal power... And divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world. There's nothing created that's not subject to the power of God. So God's authority is throughout the universe, and His power is throughout the universe. But there's a third way that God is present throughout the universe in Paul. The third way is by His knowledge. Many times God calls on Paul as his witness. For God is my witness. How I long for you, he says to the Philippians. God is my witness. Let God be a witness, he says to the Thessalonians. Let God be the witness, he says to the Romans. Over and over and over. Because God sees everything. He doesn't have twenty He's got everything. 20-everything. He can see Everything from 20 feet. He can see everything from 8 gazillion miles. There is nothing hidden from the eyes of God. Nothing. That doesn't just mean He sees what we're wearing and where we're sitting. It means He sees your heart. It means He sees your thoughts. It means He sees your soul. It means He understands everything about you there is nothing hidden from the side of God absolutely nothing he sees what is visible he sees the invisible nothing absent from anywhere in the created time and space for all ages God is everywhere by his authority he's everywhere by his power And He's everywhere by His knowledge. There is nothing in this universe He does not know, He has not seen. In those senses, God fills the universe. But that does not mean that this paper is God. That doesn't mean that a rock is God or a cow is God or that people are God. We all have a spark of the divine within us. We're all gods. We just need to grow into who we are. Hogwash. We're not gods. Wasn't ready for this, but we're throwing it up here because we're running a little fast in class. Psalm 50. Psalm 50. Incredible psalm. God, the mighty one, speaks and, and this is dead on. I should have put this in the lesson. Let's see. Psalm 50. The Mighty One, God the Lord, speaks and summons the earth from the rising of the sun to its setting. Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God shines forth. Our God comes. He doesn't keep silence. Before Him is a devouring fire. Around Him, a mighty tempest. He calls... "...to the heavens above and to the earth, that He may judge His people. Gather to Me, My faithful ones, who made a covenant with Me. The heavens declare His righteousness. God Himself is judge." I could have put those verses in last week. Ah, the things we pick up. "...Hear, O My people, and I'll speak. Israel, I'll testify against you. I'm God. You're God. Not, you are God." I am God, your God. Not for your sacrifices do I rebuke you. Your burnt offerings are continually before me. But look at this. I will not accept a bull from your house. I won't take goats from your fold. I got them already. Every beast of the forest is mine. The cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds. I know everything that moves in the fields. If I were hungry, I wouldn't tell you. The world, its fullness, it's mine. Do you think I eat the flesh of bulls? Do you think I drink the blood of goats? You offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving. You perform your vows to the Most High. You call upon Me in the day of trouble. I'll deliver you and you'll glorify Me. I see all the... Oh, I feel better as God. I've now feasted upon the sacrifice of the people. I was really hungry. Okay, well, we can sit there and think, ah, those silly little primitive Israelites... Instead, we sit here and think, well, I'm going to do God the really good service. I'm not like them. I don't offer that. I offer him uh, like 10% of my income because he's broke. That's not about him. That's about you. That's about me. If he needed a loan, he would not come ask us for it. He does not need a government bailout. But to the wicked, God says, what right have you to recite my statutes or take my covenants on your lips? Look what he says to the wicked. You hate discipline. You cast my words behind you. If you see a thief, you're pleased. You keep company with adulterers. You give your mouth free reign for evil. They don't read James. James. Your tongue frames deceit. You sit and speak against your brother. You slander your own mother's son. You do evil. You do evil. You do these things and I've been silent and you thought I was like you. (laughs) But I'm not. I rebuke you and I lay the charge before you. Mark this then, you who forget God, lest I tear you apart and there be none to deliver. The one who offers thanksgiving as his sacrifice glorifies me. The one who orders his way rightly, I will show the salvation of God. God's God's not evil. We see evil, we act evil. Oh, God's like us. No, he's not. God's not like us. God doesn't, when we say God fills the heaven and earth, it doesn't mean he's mixed with it. The sun's rays fill our atmosphere, but that doesn't make them the oxygen we breathe. God permeates, but He's not mixed with it. God holds this book together through His power, but that doesn't make God the book. God holds us together. His authority is over every human being but that doesn't make God every human being. He's not the cow. It's not holy in that sense. If it's dedicated and set apart for God, yes, it may be holy in that sense. Now, what does Paul say about this? Paul writes it. He says, the God who made the world and everything in it, he's transcendent, he made it all. He's not actually far from us. In Him, we live. In Him, we move. In Him, we have our being. We exist as the earth does through the sun's rays in God. But don't ever start thinking that God is us. Paul says that there is a God who is over all and through all and in all. He's imminent. That's the imminence of God. But just because God is in all, doesn't make everything God. Because God is also beyond all. He's much more than could ever be contained in all the rocks, and all the cows, and all the people of earth. Now, there's a delicate final point we've got to add. There is this sense that God is present in the universe. The eminence of God. He's present in authority. He's present in His power. He's present in His knowledge and His vision. But among all of the universe, out of people, God has called some out. Do you know what the Greek word for called out is? It's ecclesia. Do you know how it's translated in your New Testament? Church. Church. Church in Greek means those called out. Because in a very special way, God is in and indwells those called out. The God indwelling in believers is different than the way God permeates the universe. And the crowds. Paul says, I pray that you, the church, will be filled with all the fullness of God in Ephesians, because there is a different measure, a different filling, a different indwelling of God in the believers that walk in fellowship and harmony with Him, the redeemed, the church. By church here, I don't mean this denomination or that denomination. I mean those called out by God for God who have embraced God and accepted the calling. And God dwells within them in a special way. Paul says it this way in Ephesians 2. In Him, Christ, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. He's going to dwell within His body. Paul said it to the Corinthians this way, Don't you know you're God's temple? God's Spirit dwells in you. There is a di- So God is not just present in an imminent sense of His power and His, His authority and His knowledge. To the church, to the believer... He's present in a personal indwelling sense that no one else has. So, God is imminent. God is all things physical and spiritual. He abides, He holds together, He sees, He knows, He exercises authority. But He's also transcendent. He's beyond that too. If your God is only imminent, your God is too small. If your God is only transcendent, your God is not personable enough. God is not a deist God who's transcendent, who set it all up and set it off to run on its own. Points for home. God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. I want you to think about this for a minute. And I want you to think about it in reference to this. As a transcendent God. How do we creatures of space and time. Know and understand the God who supersedes. Who is beyond. Who transcends space and time. How do we know this God? How can I possibly know anything about the deity who is beyond Everything that goes into who I am that I've ever experienced or ever will know while living as a human in this life, in space and time. How could I remotely know anything about this God? There's only one way. By this God choosing to reveal Himself to me. God chooses to reveal Himself to us mainly through His Word. Good reason to be reading this thing. God reveals Himself not only in His Word, but through His Word, we understand His greatest revelation when He became man. And this is what we'll start studying next week is Paul's theology of Jesus. We've got about five weeks scheduled on this. And I'm really excited to talk about Paul's theology of Jesus Because it's a revelation of God. Next point. Psalm 139. Where shall I flee from your presence? You want to get away from God? Tough. Ain't going to happen. Oh yes, but if I don't think about it, he won't know about it. (laughs) Wrong. Or maybe you're scared you are away from God. Wrong. Maybe you're scared God's not going to handle all this stuff you've got going on because you've been playing a game. Wrong. Wrong. There's not a part of your life that's not subject to His authority. There's not a part of your life that's not subject to His knowledge and His vision. And praise God, there's not a part of your life that's not subject to His power. Nothing in the universe can separate you from His love. Because nothing in the universe isn't subject to His power. Nothing sneaks up on God. Finally, that same psalm says, You formed my inward parts before a day of a more lived. My days were written out for me. God... God chooses to have a relationship with us the transcendent almighty king of the ages who powers and controls and 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 and, and, and authorizes and reaches out and knows all of the world has called everyone in this room by name and said i want you to know me And I want it so bad I'll take on human form and suffer humiliation and physical pain and death to buy you back so that you can be holy and called out from the crowd and walk with me. Why do people say no? Would you pray with me? God, I feel like I should be on my knees praying right now because I'm just thinking of your august majesty and all that you are and your power. Yet I'm so moved by your compassion and your love, your tenderness, your protective spirit towards us, and your overwhelming desire to reach out Lord, you own all the cattle on the hills. You own everything in the universe. There's nothing we could give you except ourselves. That's the one thing that I guess we each truly own that you've given us custody of. And Lord, it's my prayer that everyone in this room will, will and everyone who hears this through any means will, will bow before you And say, here I am. Heal me. Put me back together. Forgive me. Let the love of your Son shine in my heart. And me out to be different. To be set apart. Indwell me. Put me to work. We pray through Jesus. Amen.